1: Hello, my friends, and welcome to our practice session. In our practice sessions, we invite our featured guests to show off their negotiation and conflict resolution skills in a realistic scenario. In this session, I want you to pay attention to what our guest does and not to what I do, because while they are trying to show off their skills and teach you, I'm trying to frustrate their efforts in different ways through things like aggression, annoyance, emotionality, or awkwardness. And then after the practice session, we debrief and talk about what worked, what didn't work, and what you can use in your next difficult conversation. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our sparring session. And if you didn't catch the first episode, make sure you do that. That will offer some really helpful context. But with us, we have Dr. Melissa Crum. And then what we're going to do is we're going to have a difficult conversation, a brave conversation, dare I say, in the workplace. And so here's the scenario. I own a mid-sized company. It's been growing rapidly, but we're struggling to recruit and and retain women and people of color. Have not been able to do that well. And so for me, as a hardworking Person, I believe that the reason why I got to where I am is because I just worked really hard, and other people need to work really hard. And if they're not succeeding, it's because they're not working really hard. And so Melissa is going to come in and talk about the fact that there might be issues related to um, diversity, equity, and inclusion within their culture. And somebody in her organization, in his organization, suggested that they have that Melissa and the leader have a conversation. And so Melissa's job in this situation is to try to understand what the real problem is and see whether or not there's an opportunity to work together. But I am reluctant and skeptical. Melissa, anything to add to that one?
2: Oh no, that's good. I'm I'm ready to jump in. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs>
1: Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, perfect. Um, Doctor Crum, thanks for coming into the office. Um. Uh, Susie said I should meet with you. I'm I'm not exactly sure why, but thing good things happen when I listen to her. So so tell me what I need to know.
2: Absolutely. Well, thank you for making the time. Yeah, Susie mentioned to me you all are having some kind of talent management issues regarding hiring and also retaining people of color. Uh, so, you know, I'm I'm learning more about your company and I know you all have some great goals in mind. I would love to hear a little bit about why you think those kind of talent issues are occurring.
1: Well, I think the pro- the I guess I this is. Very interesting. I'm going to have to have a conversation with Susie because i don't I don't think there's a problem. I mean, we, we've been growing really rapidly year over year. Um, I don't I don't really see that there's a problem.
2: Yeah. So what she mentioned to me is, for example, uh, you had, uh, you are growing, right? And some ways in which you have been growing your talent base is hiring several, uh, women of color, men of color, folks of different national origins, different religions, and really just your numbers for, um, onboarding and bringing those people on are, are really high. Uh, but when we get into year one, year two, um, those folks, Tend to be leaving. And so, what that tells me is that there's something going on within the workplace uh, that feels a bit different than what was presented to them when they were um, being hired. And so, there may be some disconnect between the way the organization is presenting itself and the way people actually experience the workplace. Might there be some shifts that or some differences that um you might have noticed
1: oh oh yeah 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 100 percent so i think we don't really know each other let me tell you a bit about myself here so I, I built this thing from scratch there was no abc corp until i came around and built it right and it was just me working just slaving away uh, slaving i shouldn't I shouldn't say that, I apologize. I don't want to, to trigger you or whatever. Um, but you know, I've been slavy I mean, working really hard here in this company, building it from scratch, and then I started hiring new people and that's challenging, but we kept on working and the and the, the strong stayed, the weak fell off. And I think when it comes down to it, this is a hard industry to be in. It's a very hard industry to be in. And not everybody's cut out for it. And so I don't I don't really I'm not that kind of person who sees race. I don't really see race. I think we're all part of the human race and I think um talking about race and doing programs about it I think it's needlessly divisive and it it it, it, it skirts the real issue. And the real issue is that we are in a really tough industry and not everybody's tough enough to to hang in there. And if you're not tough enough then then we cycle through you and we get new people. I don't I don't it, I would prefer not to have to hire new people. It's a headache. But to me, if somebody doesn't, if somebody can't stay, then it just shows me that they don't belong. we get somebody tougher
2: in. Yeah. So, um, there's a lot of things you said there that, um, is, is worth digging into. But one thing that I w- would want to know is when you think about, you said this is a tough industry and you worked really hard and obviously your hard work is paying off. Um, one thing that i find with dei um work is really defining what we mean by tough and what we mean by weak and so sometimes i'll give you an example of another client where the way they defined tough was working beyond their 40 hour allotment it meant if you want to advance in the company then you must um, go to, you must go to those happy hours with the VPs in order to make sure that they know you and you know them. So you're top of mind. If there's a a new project to come about, um, if, uh, if you want to accelerate in the organization, then you need to make sure you're at the, the company golf tournament and the cop, the gala and, and be seen and be present. And what happens is that becomes really difficult for folks who, one, have obligations outside of the workplace. So people who are parents, people who have other dependents. And so it means that what you're, the workplace is essentially saying is we're not willing to be flexible to, in, to take into account your full humanity. And so by having obligations outside of the workplace, it becomes defined as weak. And so the folks who are willing to neglect their families, folks who are willing to neglect um, other things outside of work become the quote unquote tough folks. And so you now building a workplace for a particular kind of person. And so when people realize those unspoken rules within the workplace, they realize they can't necessarily be successful and have a a healthy life and also um, a healthy work life. The other thing is, we have to recognize that people, it's important to recognize that people are going to have different experiences based on their race. There's necessarily, um, it's not. doesn't have to be divisive to and, recognize and Melissa, that. I,
1: I just want to stop you right there, because now we're never going to start talking about this woke type of stuff. I know what's coming. There is no, There is no racism happening in the company. I know we just need to treat everybody exactly the same. And that's what we've been doing and now all of a sudden me trying to treat everybody the same is 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 now considered racism isn't that what dr king said that we we get to a point where we're not judging people based on their race but the context content of the character for me i i want to base i want to rate people just based on the content content and quality of their of their work
2: why is that so bad yeah so judging and Interacting are not the same thing, right? So I'm not judging who you are and the quality of person you are based on your race. I am recognizing that um, based on your identities, you're gonna have a particular kind of experience in this workplace. For example, you said a phrase and then you kind of took it back You said like slaving, right? Um, And then you kind of recognize that, oh, that maybe that wasn't the best word to use. And you kind of dismissed it. Like, I don't want to trigger you or whatever, which could come off. For some, maybe as patronizing, it could come off as a little dismissive. And so when you start thinking up, you recognize that because of my identity, I'm going to experience that word a bit differently. So even though you said um, you don't care about race. In that moment you did, you recognized that I'm going to have a particular experience with that in this conversation because of who I am and the experiences that I have. And there's nothing wrong with that. Also, when we're thinking about this idea of wokeness, it's important that we define what that is. So I would love to hear what you are defining as wokeness.
1: Well, when I think about the, the term woke, I, I hear this on the, uh, the left wing media all the time. Um, it's so important to be woke and all this type of stuff. I don't know what, the, what it really even means. All, all I know is that whenever there are, there's this talk about wokeness or however you phrase it, um, problems ensue that's where we get conflict. That's where people start to do start to engage in identity politics. And that's where society starts to tear itself apart at the seams unnecessarily, because we're not seeing ourselves as Americans together. We're seeing ourselves completely fragmented and in a way where we cannot even bridge these gaps because we are different racially or in terms of gender or whatever. And so for me, I look at us all as one big population. We're all Americans here. And so I want, like, when I think about being inclusive, it means treating everybody the same. And when I think about this, all of this wokeness that's happening, it's just things that pull us apart. Our calendar is filling up quickly, and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show.
0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing. New currencies come and go. Decades of savings lost in days. All showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of
2: well, you know, um, so there's a difference between being fragmented as if we're separated with no way of engaging and then ways in which we people build communities based on identities and we can still kind of traverse those. Right. So we can't you talked about um, being fragmented and then um, we can't bridge these gaps. But the actual material we need to bridge is awareness. And so, this idea of woke is what is it? Being awake and being aware that people are having different experiences in our same country, in our same neighborhood, in our same, um, uh, wherever we are, people with different identities are having different experiences. And sometimes, sometimes it can feel really uncomfortable to have our world shaken when someone tells us someone is not having the same exact experience as we are. So you talked about building this, con- this company from scratch. If you take a moment to think about what would someone who was of, of a different gender, a different sexuality, or someone with a different accent, someone with from a different um, country or different race, would they have had the same experience? And you won't know that until you actually become aware of how someone who started where you are with a different identity had their experience. And so this idea of woke is simply meaning being aware, awakening yourself up to people who have identities other than our our own. And so if you want to invite folks in your organization who are having, um, different experiences because they have different identities. You can't really shape an environment that is helpful and inclusive to them without being aware of how they're engaging with folks, without being aware of what their needs are. And if you don't want to care <laughs> about where, how those identities play into successful, um, Business strategy, know that there's so much research that's saying, unfortunately, your, your company is going to come to a standstill. There's so much research that tells us if we create an inclusive work environment, your bottom line will grow exponentially. And so there really is a business case for this, even if you don't have, uh, if, even if you're not tapped into a social justice case. So when you think about your mission, vision, and value of your company and your, your financial goals, align that with the research that's telling us that an inclusive work environment will accelerate your business outcomes, but that does take a degree of investment in shifting what you understand to be fair, what you understand to be equal, uh, this is a really great cartoon, and I'll show you. It's really great uh, comic strip that I would love to share with you at one point, where you have this test proctor at a desk, um, and there he's outside, and there are these animals in front of him, and there's a tree, a large tree behind them. And there's a monkey, a bird, an elephant, a dog, and um, I think like a raccoon or something. And the test proctor says, to give everybody a, a fair and equal chance, at this test everybody has to climb that tree now think about who is there who's gonna have an easier time getting to that tree the bird doesn't even have to climb the tree they can just go up there right the monkey probably is gonna have a, a a okay time but literally everybody else the dog the elephant everybody else is gonna have a difficult time and so when we say listen half these people failed the test There must be something wrong with these people. There must be something wrong with these animals, right? There's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with the test. Instead, what we don't do is ask ourselves, is there something wrong with the test itself and not necessarily wrong with these animals? In that same way, We have to think about that in our workplace. People keep leaving. People keep, quote unquote, failing the test of staying tough within this industry. Maybe there's something that we need to shift within our industry to ensure that everybody gets to a place of success. But if we're unwilling to do that, we're going to expend so much time and energy. Like you said, it takes a lot of time to recruit. It takes a lot of time to develop talent. You're actually losing money. You're actually losing money by having this um, people recycling out of your organization. So the question you have to ask yourself is how are you willing to invest? Are you going to invest on the front end to shift your policies and practices to make sure they're more inclusive? Or are you going to invest on the back end, continuing to bring people in and then they cycle out?
1: Mm. So this is, this is helpful. So it's sounding like for me, I, my goal is to have a successful business, and I don't want people – like I, I want people to feel good when they come to work, right? And I don't want them to think that I don't care because I do, and I also – I care about the business, and you're right. There's, this is costing me a lot of money, and and if I just think about it through the lens of what it takes to make sure I have a strong team and I don't need to keep on wasting money on recruiting and developing people, I think that's that's certainly – worth exploring I haven't thought about that and I haven't thought about it through other people's perspective too so scene <laughs> awesome <laughs> Woo. that was good so let me let me ask you on the emotional side how did you feel going through that with the way that I, I treated you through that
2: you know um yes so I don't like having those conversations. <laughs> I don't, I don't like, but, but of course in my line of work, I have to because you know what happens and what it feels like is that I have to fight for my humanity. I have to convince you that who I am and how I show up here is important enough for you to recognize. And that is not a good place to be. It's not yeah. a, it's not a comfortable place to be to say, I need you to understand that as a woman, as a black person, as a mother, I'm going to experience your workplace completely different than a single man with no kids and no outside responsibility, a single white man with the, I'm I'm just going to experience it differently. And so to dismiss that, to erase that, in the, under the guise of fairness in Martin Luther King. <laughs> it's like, ah! But you, because you know what's even more frustrating is because the people who tend to like bring up Martin Luther King, they don't, they never read or, under, or, or or know the Martin Luther King in the last days of his life. So I use this quote in a workshop, a Martin Luther King quote. I use, there's these two I often use. One of them, he says, We've been fighting for integration, and and I believe that we're going to win. But I believe we're integrating into a burning house, and what he's saying is we're fighting to bring these really to reduce the fragments, right? To bring you know everybody in the same school, everybody in the same whatever it might be. But what we're doing is re- demanding that we are. Included in a place that is vehemently does not want us there. And so not only do we have to just exist in just a everyday regular life, we now have to battle you to be here just to, just to exist. And so when people, when people don't recognize that you are hiring people into a burning workplace, Right. When you are wanting more women, but you have no maternity leave or even parental leave period. Cause you know, news newsflash men also are fathers and they also want to be that, you know, <laughs> so, want to actually like be with their children. So you have no parental leave. You have no, um, Healthcare policy around thinking about any any folks who are are trans or or are wanting to go through that particular process. Do you what is it, what is your healthcare plans that keep that in mind, or just flexibility for folks who have who need um who need mental breaks or folks who uh, what is your process for folks who need accommodations? If they are hearing or sight impaired, is it a long process to be able to get to, to always request when you're on zoom? Can you have closed captions or can I, can you make sure that we have the particular software as someone who's sight impaired so I can get, um, get all the information from the emails and things like that. Is that a long and strenuous process That is telling me that you aren't including me. This is a burning workplace. And then you're wondering why I'm leaving. The other thing, the other Martin Luther King quote I use is the one where it comes from his letter from Birmingham jail, where he talks about, he says, the problem that I'm having the most with is with the white moderate. He's like, I get the Ku Klux Klan. I know the the white counselors. I know about them. I know how to manage them. But it's the white moderates that say things like, do you really need your all your rights right now? Like, do you really need to march in this way? And this paternalism of I can negotiate your freedom for you because I have the power to do that. So you need to just sit on the side and let me decide when you get to be free. And he's saying, wait a minute, who told you (laughs) that you get to do that, that I don't have the ability, the power to negotiate my own freedom. And what I'm negotiating is now. And so we have so many identities, whether it's race, gender, sexuality. Who's saying you don't get to negotiate for me? I'm negotiating for my freedom now. And so, when people talk about this idea of wokeness, is that you have, you are now becoming more aware of how people are experiencing the world and you didn't know about it. And now people are requiring you to care, at least acknowledge their existence. And you're like, oh, I didn't have to think about this before. Just because you'd have to think about it, just because you weren't uh, uh, aware of it before now doesn't mean these people didn't exist. And so you are now more uh, aware of your discomfort because somebody's living different than you. That's your issue you have to manage. That is an internal negotiation you have to come to terms with to manage your aware, your self-awareness, your vulnerability and asking yourself, why am I, why am I so uncomfortable with this? Where did that come from? And how can I allow myself to be open to know that there's a lot of people in this world who are not me and who are having different experiences than me? Mm.
1: It's powerful. That was good. That was good. I was, listen, Melissa, I was trying to throw you off. I was trying to, I was (laughs) like, how can I, how can I be more aggressive? Okay. Let me, let me try Let me see if I can work the word slave into this. Okay. Um. Let me see. Let let me. Oh, she is on a roll. Let me interrupt her right now. Uh, No, but you stayed calm the whole time, and you're uh, essentially calmness was part of the strategy, right? Because you know that if you get if you get upset, and then you fly off, now you're the angry black woman, and you lose all credibility. It's not fair, but it's true. That's the reality of the situation. So I took a I took a lot of notes here. Let me run through some of these. So. I talked about some of these terminologies, so tough versus weak. One of the great things that you did throughout the conversation is take the time to define what those things mean to me. And so we might be hearing the same words but they mean something completely different. So it was really smart for you to take that time and define when you say tough, what do you mean? When you say weak, what do you mean, right? And then when I threw out something that was like, you know, that fireball of racism, slave away, sorry, I don't want to trigger you. It's like, come on, that'll get her. Nope, okay, cool. One of the things you did, was you let it go past. And I know this is kind of a controversial negotiation strategy, but you did it exceptionally. Um, You you let the insults go past because this is an attempt to take us off track, right? No, I'm here for a reason. I'm going to stay here for a reason. I am strong enough to ignore that because my goal is bigger than my ego in this moment. So well done there. You used stories really well. And so, stories are incredibly persuasive. I think about it as the, the Trojan horse version of persuasion. Because what you do is you give this person this beautiful horse, you know, thinking about the, uh, the, the actual mythology of this, right? So, you give them the, uh, this big gift in the form of a story. If somebody's telling a story, you cannot help but hear it. But then within the story, you have your little persuasion s- soldiers that are in their head doing work for you, even after the story's done. So, having these stories really really powerful um you kept your cool when i interrupted and then when the time was right when it actually served you you went back to the fireball i threw of slaving, because I said, I'm colorblind. And you said, hold up. No, you're not. (laughs) Because you (laughs) dropped slaving and then dismissively said, oh, didn't mean to trigger you, right? Yes, exactly. You're a black woman, right? So, of course, I see race. You're not, you're lying to yourself and it's not even persuasive to you. So, that was really good. And then again I wanted to lat- I wanted to take the conversation off track by talking about wokeness. Okay, I want you to defend this term. And what you did was you realized, hmm, this term is tr- triggering to him. I don't need this term in order to succeed in this moment. I'm going to define the term and the definition is something that you can get down with. Awareness. Can you get down with being Aware, uh, yes, I'm an astute businessman. Of course, I can get down with being aware. Well, did you consider that you might not be aware of certain things because you don't have a lived experience? Now that you said it, I have no choice but to consider it, right? And so the way that you methodically moved through through this conversation, slowly working me to the point of of understanding and acceptance was really really good because again, you did a great job of making sure you stayed focused. And then, oh, last thing recognizing he doesn't care, he doesn't care about me, he doesn't care about the people, but what he does care is about his business. He keeps talking about how hard he worked, how he loves his business and everything. And in my book, I talk about the, um, the, uh, the genetic code of persuasion. So when you think about the, um, the human genome process uh, project, what they found was that the distinction between man and some of our um, animal cousins is very small, genetically speaking. And then when you think about where somebody is persuasively, we want to change their entire worldview. But a lot of times we don't need to do that because their genetic code of persuasion, you just need to tweak a little bit. Cool. You don't want to be woke. You don't want to care about me. You don't have to. I know you care about money. So let's talk about the business case. You don't want to talk about feelings. Fine. I will show you the research. Do you care about your business, sir? Yes, I do. Do you like spending money on recruiting and retention? No, I don't. Would you like to stop? well, let's talk about culture. So it was just a, a masterclass. So well, well done.
2: Oh, you know, I feel so good from a negotiation expert. I get a <laughs> A plus. I'm excited now. You made my yes. day for me. <laughs> no,
1: that's good. And I think that's what people don't realize. Every, all of us are negotiators.
2: Mm-hmm. It's just
1: a matter of whether or not we're doing it well. So taking this, I think this will be really helpful because a, a lot of people every day are struggling with the same conversation.
2: Absolutely. I think the other thing that I try and do is the um like critis- criticism sandwich, right? So you start off with something positive that like, oh, you are a good businessman. You're working really hard. I see so you really develop whatever the criticism is that you need them to address and try and like bring in something that also recognizes, uh, elevates them as a person, right? And again, all of this is, that's where this emotional intelligence comes in because, All of that time, you as the person doing this, have to kind of, like you said, manage your cool. You also have to kind of read, you have to read yourself and the other person. Um, and manage all those things. Like, like the slaving is like, okay, I gotta, I gotta pin that over here because I'm probably going to bring that back later. Like I got, <laughs> you know, all of these things, but that gets really hard if you're in an emotionally charged situation, if you haven't practiced it. Like this is a lot of practice. Like you're going to mess up. You know, um, you gotta, and I, I, I tell people you, it's a good, you should practice with somebody like Kwame, like just somebody that's, there's no, if you mess up, it actually won't ruin the relationship, right? So practice with a friend or whatever, have them be that devil's advocate so you can practice that. So when you do have that conversation with, when it really is um uh something on the line you you've got some you've got some tools under your belt that you that you can you can pull out every now and then, so yeah it gets tricky and it take it takes practice for sure
1: yeah and this this was great it was a great practice session so Melissa again before you go, let the listeners know about how they can get in touch with you and um pop and how they can work with you
2: too. Absolutely, you can find me at MosaicEducationNetwork.com. dot com. Also, uh, Mosaic Education Network on Instagram. Uh, when you go to my website, you can sign up for our newsletter. Every two weeks, we have some interesting tidbits and tools and stories to share with you. So, feel free to sign up. we Would love to to see you there.
1: Awesome! Thanks again, Melissa. Really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Kwame.